It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben, and as always, we are joined by our super producer, Noel the Motorcade Brown. And today, we are doing a podcast that was a long time in coming. Isn't that right, Scott? Yeah, a long time. And, uh, you know, I've got to hand it to this listener for being... Absurdly patient with us. So patient. And honestly, Ben, I would have, I would have probably lost a little bit of patience as well after, after all that was going on. Cause I was writing back and forth with, uh, with this, this person. And, uh, it is, uh, it's Jason Morgan. And I'm uh, saying his full name because, uh, we use Facebook. You know, he's on our Facebook page and everybody right. can see that there anyways. Um, so Jason wrote in and said, um, let's see, the first, uh, message was from back in April of this year. And he says, um, I listened to your episode about the Cannonball Run and I really enjoyed it. And I think maybe he was talking about that uh, that cross country record that was made. Uh huh. Because uh, I don't know if we've done an actual Cannonball Run episode, have we? Uh, or the Gumball Rally, or one of those. It was we've a, done Gumball. Anyways, it was a fast drive across the United States. Yeah, right, is what, yeah. It, what it comes down to. And uh, he said it made me think of this book, and it's called Against the Clock: The Incredible Story of the of the Seven Forty Nine. That's forty nine states in seven days on a motorcycle. And uh, the, there's a book by uh, it's a book by Ron Ayers, and there's also another book. Uh, by Ron Ayers called Against the Wind, and uh, and Jason sent that book to us uh, through the mm-hmm. mail, and yep. we received it a long, long time ago. I have since read the book, not not every single page, <laughs> most pages, uh, because a lot of these pages are full of stats and facts and figures and things mm-hmm. like that that uh, that are specific to the race that the um, that the author participated in in 1995. Um, so, anyways, thank you for sending the book. I think we've already thanked him for that in the past, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him if he ever participates in this thing because I was curious about that. You know, you think uh, you, know, you have a lot of uh, interest in this, and he says, "No, no, it's a dream that I have that probably will never happen." And we, again, we didn't know what it was all about at this point. He says, "But my wife and I follow it closely every other year when it happens." So I was intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, he says, "I'm acquainted with a guy nearby who's done it a couple of times, though," and he says, "It's like the Olympics of long distance motorcycling." Um, and then you know that's when the uh, the book came in the mail. 
and I uh, started to really kind of brush up on what this was all about, and it's a fascinating race, really. Oh, right. you know what? I, I shouldn't say race. It's not a race. It's not a race, right. It's a it's a rally. We need to talk about a couple of things. First, we need to talk about the Iron Butt Association, right? Sure. Uh, so the Iron Butt Association has uh, over 50,000 members, you guys. This thing is huge, and it is uh, dedicated to safe, long-distance motorcycle riding. It's based in the U.S., but they have members across the planet. Sure. Yep. And uh, these guys are well-seasoned uh, riders, of course. It's, a, it's difficult to get into this association, and we'll tell you about right. um, the specific requirements for this later. And I think... This may be something that we just point you to a website for for you to look up exactly what it requires mm-hmm. in order to gain entrance into specific races because it, it varies between I keep saying races I hope I don't do that through the whole podcast <laughs> events uh, sure. these aren't these aren't races that's uh, that's something they they stress on their site um, but uh, we'll, we'll refer you to the right pages to get all the information about this because we'll we'll do our best but as usual um, or as always. There's far more information here than we can ever cover during our podcast. For sure. Well, let's, okay, so let's paint the picture with the Iron Butt Association before we get to the Iron Butt Rally. Sure. Okay. So, uh, as we said, over 50,000, maybe over 60,000 members, uh, but the IBA or Iron Butt Association doesn't really have members in the traditional sense. You don't have to go to formal meetings. There's not like a, a newsletter or mandatory dues, although you can, you have the option to pay dues and, you know, become like a, I think they call it a premier member. Sure. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a little bit of an upgrade. Uh, they're often thought of or describe themselves as the world's toughest riders. And you can, you can think that like that's pretty clear from Iron Butt Rally and the fact that it's, motorcycle marathon uh riding events. Yeah, sure. Endurance riding for yeah. motorcycles. And uh that is a completely different ball game than endurance racing for cars. Mm-hmm. And if you if you pay this optional fee, then you get some news and info from the staff, early notice of some events. You get chances to enter some stuff and we'll talk about how you enter things. Discounted entry fees and sometimes, you know, like a- access to special you know, special things, a couple of goodies. Sure. Uh, so this is an organization that describes itself as loose knit. And there's only one way to earn membership. How's that? You have to ride an IBA certified ride. Sure. So they be in the event. All these events. Now, they, uh, this, so we're clear on this. The Iron Butt Rally is one rally that they hold. It's, it's the most intense rally that they hold, right. really. Um, yeah. Uh, but, the other events that that lead up to this are the ones that you uh, that you can participate in to gain certification to be allowed to even have a chance to participate in the right. Ironbot Rally. Um, they kind of run the gamut. There's a whole big list of them, and if you don't mind, I will uh, I maybe um, go through just a few. Yeah, of these. yeah. Start um, at the start at the easiest. Well, one. I'll, t- I'll t- okay. Here's the easiest one. The <laughs> shortest one is called the Saddle Sore 1000. And um, this is a 24-hour, 1,000-mile ride on a motorcycle. Now, that's a long distance to cover right. on a motorcycle, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be difficult. It, it, it's kind of tough, really, to drive a car a 1,000 miles without being, uh, you know, getting getting sore, getting, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the feeling like you want to get out, stretch your legs, stop for a while, pull over. Take a rest, take a nap. Sixteen hundred kilometers a meal in, in twenty-four hours or less. Yeah, something like that. It's it's yeah. it's a lot. And then it goes on from there. I mean, there's the Bun Burner fifteen hundred, which is 
15,000 or 15, 1500 miles in 36 hours. And then there's the Bun Burner Gold, which is, uh, 1500 miles in 24 hours. So a shorter yeah. time. There's the 50cc Quest, and that is a cross-country trip um, in 50 hours or less. That's pretty intense as well. Yeah. Uh, there's the National Parks Tour Master Traveler Award, and this is kind of cool. You visit 50 parks in at least 25 states. Um, there's no time limit on that one listed, but I'm sure that there's got to be some type of time restriction. Um, there's the coveted 10 tenths challenge, which is 10 consecutive 1,000-mile days. So you're getting the idea that these are getting uh, more and more difficult, right? right? Um, and then there's... This one is not really a rally. This is something different. This is a uh, certification, but you can get something called the one. You can enter into the one hundred thousand mile club, and the one hundred thousand mile club is exactly what it sounds like, but you're restricted to one year, and you have to have a well documented ride uh, that lasts one year, one hundred thousand miles. You have to have a certified one hundred thousand wow. miles. Now, I, I was doing a little bit of the number crunching with this, and it, and it comes out to if you ride seven days a week, it's slightly less than three hundred miles a day. A day. Every day for seven days a week. Now, if you want to condense that into five days, you can just do the math and figure this right, out. Right, right. Take um, Saturdays and Sundays off. And by well-documented, you can't you can't be missing one gasoline receipt. You can't, uh, you know, you, there's photo proof Ooh. that's required for this. There's there's restrictions. There's, uh, you know, um, uh, official procedures that you have to go about in order to have this verified. But it is a, a very difficult club, I guess, to get into. And, you know, aside from that, you know, those, those other rallies we mentioned – the Iron Butt Rally is even more difficult than, uh, you know, that 10 tenths challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Iron Butt Rally is held in the U.S. every two years. It first ran in 84, uh, and it started from the Montgomeryville Cycle Center, and that's just outside of Philly, right? Yeah, and this is where it, it, it differs, Ben, because uh, when it started in 84, it was run every year for a short amount of time. Right. right. Uh, when in 84, 85, 86, and 87... And then it skipped ahead, you know, then it was not run. It skipped ahead to 1991, and that's when the Iron Butt Association came about, when they kind of took over the ride, um, um, uh, overseeing, overseeing the ride, I guess. That's maybe right. a better way to say it. And uh, the, the sanctioning body. And so now that the Iron Butt Association runs it, they run every other year, as you said. Yeah, usually in August. Uh, here's the current state of the Iron Butt Rally. It lasts 11 days. Riders often travel over 11,000 miles in that time. You earn points by riding your motorcycle to various bonus locations in Canada and in the U.S. So a bonus, it, like they might have just a destination or they might have a task that you have to do. And these these different things have a point value. Sure. I can give you some examples. Of yeah, that'd like. be great. All right, so, but, but one thing I want to uh, clarify here is that, and before we just kind of gloss over sure. this point, before we go into the bonuses, yeah. you read that right. It's 11 days, uh-huh. and, and it's like 11 consecutive 1,000-mile days on a motorcycle. Now, a lot of people, when they take this on, when they take on this challenge, they feel like um, th- their main goal is just to finish this rally. It's not right. so much to win or place very high or, or you know, get, I get bonuses. Yeah, there's certifications that you get from getting these bonuses, so that that puts you into different levels of of, uh, of uh, competition, I guess, where you can be finish in gold position or you know silver or bronze uh-huh. um, based on the points that you collect from these things. And we'll describe that in a second. But again, a lot of people just want to finish the thing. That's their that's their goal. And whether it's you know restrictions. Uh, of the of the human body, I guess you know you just can't take it. You physically right. can't, yeah. You know, manage this, or if it's uh, mechanical, because a lot of people have mechanical fa- failure along the way that puts them out of this competition. Because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to keep a bike running in 
all the different weather conditions that, that are present because they go they deal with everything from Death Valley at the heat of the day. I mean, like the right. the highest point, hottest point, um, up to you know snow covered mountain peaks and everything in between. And you know, rain. They said there's even been an occasional tornado that they've had to deal with. You know, <laughs> passing the uh, uh, you know crossing the path of the uh, of the rally. Um, just a fascinating, it's a really fascinating event when you start to dig into it and you start to really think about what that's like to spend all that time sitting on a motorcycle seat. I mean, I gotta be honest, Ben, I think, um, and I'm not, I'm not a rider. I never have been a motorcycle rider, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like to get onto the bike that second day. The first day, I, I guess I can kind of see, you can push through just about anything. You mm-hmm. can probably make it. I mean, it's gotta be tough and it gets cold or whatever that, that sure. adds to it, but, the second day and the third day and the fourth day, and then you realize, well, you're not even halfway through this whole thing by the fourth day, and you yeah. got to just keep going, 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 and that's that's how it all works. And if you even if you finish right, uh, you may not technically qualify because to in order to be considered a finisher of the Iron Butt Rally, you have to be present at each of these checkpoints they have set up at a specific time window. Sure, yeah, and you have to have a minimum number of bonuses during that. Rally, so you you have to have like uh, you, you know, there's an entry level thing, and usually these bonuses you, you have to prove that you were there by taking a picture of the place or like purchasing something. Well, and it's very specific about it too, about each uh, checkpoint. So they may give you a a very exact desti- uh, um, set of items that have to appear in that picture with you. I mean, they give you right. a rally towel, you know, that you have to have yeah. that has the, uh, something, you know, a numbered towel. Sure. Uh, something specific you for that year. Yeah, you wouldn't have it ahead of time, you know, ahead of the rally, so you couldn't uh, fake these pictures in any way. They say that you have to have it uh, with this person at this at this landmark or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's something they set up ahead of time. But, right. Um, I think one of them, one of the bonus places was, like, you got to find the, the burnt remains of the uh, Branch Davidian <laughs> Ranch and, um, out there in Waco. Yeah, the compound in Waco. And, uh, you have to stop off at the LA County morgue and buy a toe tag from them and have, you know, a certain person sign it or something. Can just, you imagine working at the morgue and thinking, oh, God, here we go. Well, you know, they kind of, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they sign on for something like that. You yeah. Know, they say like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. It's they probably, like yeah, this not a, it's not a surprise. Well, here's, here's just one example. Now, this is, this is coming from the book that, uh, that Jason sent us. It's called Against the Wind by Ron Ayers. Right. And, probably um, the uh, best book available on the rally. Oh, definitely is. Yeah. I mean, I was reading through, it's fascinating stuff. It's really kind of cool to read about. Um, but this just gives you an idea for the bonus locations. And, and this was in 1995. Um, the first leg of this trip was from, uh, they started out in Salt Lake City and they went to Spokane, Washington. Now, just looking at the numbers on this, I mean, it, it takes, um, I looked it up on, you know, Google and found out that it's, it's 10 hours to drive straight through from Salt Lake City to Spokane, Washington. It's just a 10 hour straight drive. They give the riders 23 hours to cover that distance. Hmm. So, Here's the thing. They leave at, uh, you know, 4 p.m. on the, you know, the day of the rally starts. They have to be at the next checkpoint by, uh, the first, uh, they say that the open window, the window opens at the, at the final checkpoint, um, at 3 p.m. the very next day. And it's open for a two hour window. And you've mm-hmm. got just that two hour window to, uh, to collect your 2,000 bonus points for getting to that checkpoint. So 2,000 points are up for, up for grabs right there. And every rider knows that they have to be there within those two hours. So, yeah. What you do then is you have to strategically plan based on this list that they give you where you can get to uh, to get these bonus points. Like just for example, um, and this one, I'll tell you one that's statistically impossible in just a moment. But All right. um, the, the first realistic 
uh, bonus point that you could get would be Chimney Rock Historical State uh, Historical Site in Nebraska, and you can collect 315 points for getting to that point. And uh, then it goes down to you can go to Las Vegas, Nevada, for 286 points, and so on, so on down the list, right? And a lot of these are, are um, airports or state parks or things like that, you know, um, places uh, that, that are easy to prove that you were there. I mean, you could take a photograph that, uh, and for each one, they tell you where you have to go in there. Like, it's not just go to Las Vegas and get a sign out, uh, you know, a photo of you near the sign or something right. like that. It's like you have to go there and go to uh, Harris Harris Casino. And take a photo in front of the biggest slot machine in the front of the, you know, whatever the, the specific and, is. And additionally, each year they might have a theme, right? So, True. uh, so one year, uh, 2007 would be about gateways and arches. So the bonus, the bonus photos and stuff were related to those themes. And of course, our favorite, 2009 crime scenes. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's, uh, so they've got a theme for each event and, and mm-hmm. it follows along that theme. This one was, uh, it seems like this was, um, national monuments and national parks for 1995 then. Um, here's the one that's impossible, Ben. If you decided to take a side trip to go to Anchorage, Alaska, uh, you could gain 963 points. That's, wow. That's huge. But then you find out that f- just from the finishing point in, uh, in Spokane, it's 45 hours on the Alaskan highway. So there's no way. No, no. It's, it's like 2,400 miles one way. Uh, there's no way you're going to be able to make that. So, uh, Anchorage is way, way up in Alaska. It's not like they're not down at the bottom of it or anything. So it's, it's impossible to do it really. Um, because you would then forfeit the points for the Spokane checkpoint, and that would be losing 2,000 points right off the bat. And uh, the other thing about that is that if you don't arrive within the window, you know, between 3 p.m. Yeah. and 5 p.m. the yeah. next day, you're penalized. And this varies by location, but uh, the penalty for ar- arriving late to this specific one was one point per minute is what you forfeit. Whoa, that um, adds up quickly. Yeah, it does. And then later on, you'll see that there are some points that, uh, you know, they may only have a, uh, a one-hour open window that you have to arrive and you lose five points per minute for being late to that one. So you're strictly tied to that. However, they want to, they want, you know, throughout this book, they, they continually reinforce the idea that it's, again, it's not a race, right? You can travel the speed limit and get there at the set time. You have to determine how to do that safely uh, and, and gain as many of these, uh, these bonus points as you can along the way. And it's funny when I read this, this book, cause it's again, it's from the 1995 rally, right? GPS really wasn't a thing. There was one guy in this book that had kind of uh, rigged up a GPS system. He was a software engineer, I think. Uh-huh. He had his own kind of crude GPS system that he was using to, to aid him along the way. So he wasn't having to read the maps like everybody else. But even then, his his software that he was using didn't recognize all the points. It wasn't it wasn't uh, advanced like what we have now, where you can just plug in just about anything and it'll take you there. Right. These guys were using um, paper maps mm-hmm. or maps that were provided by AAA, you know, like that yeah. they stopped off to get, um, and having to read them on the road. And, and, you know, the first time that they would see these roads is when they were on them, so they didn't know where they were going. Well, that's a good point, Scott, because we should underline this. The riders only know the bonuses for the leg they're currently on, which, of course, affects the way you're planning stuff sometimes, sure, right? They, yeah, they hand them a packet, right? And Yeah, and there are far more bonuses than can be completed. Like, the, it's designed so that you cannot do all the bonuses in one leg normally. No, so you have to quickly, very quickly, right. determine what's possible, what's not possible, and what you're going to go for. And this is, this is really, you know, a, a true test of... Your endurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like, well, how much do I really want to push this? So I want to just try to get into the general area of Spokane for this first leg and then, uh, you know, gather what I can. 
but see, let's say that you're leaving um, Salt Lake City. If you're going to head to Las Vegas, right away you got to start heading away from your final destination. So you got to you got to decide. Yeah, I'm going to head south. Uh, I'm going to head southwest instead of going northwest at this point. Yeah. And you got to determine that right as you leave at four o'clock. And uh, once you commit to it, I think you're you're pretty much set to do that. I mean, it's not like you can get halfway to Las Vegas and decide this was a mistake. I'm going to yeah, turn around because sunk you sunk cost. You, you've exactly right. You've given it up at that point. So um, it's it's really an interesting strategic game that they play. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we didn't even talk about 
how hard it is to get into the actual Iron Butt Rally. Yeah, we said that you know you have to be certified or you have, have to, to be, be a member. A, yeah, a member, and by, by member it means you have to complete one of their other events, and it has right. to be one of the ones that they deem appropriate to to qualify you right, for. Right, because they have some. Rally. They have some that won't cut it. Yeah, exactly. So you have to you have to select one that, and again, contact the association ahead of time if you're really planning to do something like this. Make sure you're you're entering the right one to qualify you for the next one. Right, and uh, it's it's critical to do stuff like that. But once you're once you have that certification, even then, it's a little bit difficult to get into. Now, in the early years, back in the 1980s, you know, up until you know 1987 or whenever they stopped right, running, right. It, um, it was just maybe a few dozen riders. It was like a just relatively unknown event at the time. Sure, and now uh, they have to limit the the, uh, the event to 125 riders. And it is chosen. There's a few hand-selected people that that are allowed into the event, and these are the uh, the guys that they call the big dogs, the ones that enter a lot of these endurance rally rally events. And uh, you know they they typically place very well. Um, you know they've got a lot of experience. Um, it's good for the you know the uh, the sport, I guess, to have them in there. You know the big names uh, that, that garner the attention and all that. Um, and you know they all become uh, kind of a tight knit club. At some right. point. And, you know, those very few positions are picked, handpicked by the president of the IBA. Mm-hmm. And then from there, there's a, a lot of leftover openings, I guess. And, sure. uh, and those are picked via lottery. Ah, uh, yes, the lottery. I think this is ingenious, Scott. This seems to me a fair way to do it and a fair way to load the odds as well. So it's by lottery only. Every lottery entry must be from an Iron Butt member. Right. So you have to be a member first. People who are working the rally and supporters, as well as those premier folks who pay a little extra annual fee, they're given an extra chance in the lottery process. And that's because uh, there are different pools from which these folks are drawn. Right. So volunteers, veterans and premier members uh, go are they're uh, grouped into their own pool and then. A certain amount of numbers are drawn first from there, and then if you don't win that time, you go into the like the general population pool. Oh, okay. So, so I think that's a neat way to give somebody an extra chance or a little bit of a reward for being, you know, a veteran or volunteering to work the rally or uh, supporting the association through being a, a paying member. That's a very clever way to do that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I think I could I could see it working. I can't. Uh, Imagine, uh, you know what? I don't have anything that anybody would want to play a lottery for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but if so, that's how I would do it. You know, there's a man. There's going to be so much we want to talk about. I was I was kind of thinking about talking about uh, the standings for 2015, um, but I I think that maybe just rather than read a list of names, I yeah. just want to tell you kind of an idea of of uh, how things kind of sort out here. Sure. Uh, the first, I'm not going to read all of them by any means. There's a there's a huge long list of them here, but uh, the winner's name was Eric Jewell. And Eric Jewell for 2015 uh, had a total score of 106,653. Now, that means that he visited 108 national parks uh, during this uh, during this event. Now, 108, he, he went through 25 states, so it didn't uh, didn't hit all the states. 25 states, total number of miles ridden, 11,087 miles, and that's in 11 days. So that's a pretty intense ride, right? But um, that's not the most miles ridden uh, by any of the competitors. If you go down to the guy that plays 25th, uh-huh. he rode 12,900 miles, and his score was only like 75,000 points. So it shows you 
And he visited 54 parks and hit 27 states. So he rode a, a longer distance. He just didn't get the bonuses that had the higher points. And, yeah. and this, the numbers become kind of fascinating to look at. You do get kind of stuck on that. Like, well, that's interesting how that works that, you know, he could visit, um, half the number of parks, yet ride, you know, uh, significant distance long, you know, more, yeah. greater. Um, it, it's just really interesting. And here's one that rode, 8,888 miles. And, you know, I mean, position 28th, so just below the guy that rode 12,900 miles, almost 13,000 miles. Um, I love looking at the numbers from stuff like this. Yeah, well, there's, it it shows even more so the strategy inherent in there. You know, like, uh, when you're, when you're playing this, it, it does become, a numbers game in addition to an endurance game, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, which is why they, they can't really tell somebody all of the bonus things for all of the legs at once because then you can calculate the winning score. You that's, know, that's true. The optimal yeah. route. Yeah, you're right. And then, you know, all the people that are required to check all this stuff, you know, with the photographs and the receipts and all that, right. they say that, um, you know, if you lose one gas receipt along the way, that's not necessarily something that's going to disqualify you from the ride, but if it's happening day after day, yeah, uh, I think something, and they do odometer checks, and they do. Um, uh-huh. It's all very regulated. It's all, um, you know, you do have you have you have the burden of proof on your on your back when you're doing this as well. You have to be able to show that you were somewhere, whether that's toll receipts or um, again photographs or you know fuel receipts, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, you, you, again, you have to prove exactly where you were and when to show that you know this is a legit reading on your odometer. And um, you know, Ben. I, I, I don't want to let this podcast get away without mentioning one thing that's on the uh, on the IBA site. It's actually it's from IronButt.com. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. This is what do you think I'm going to say? Just uh, uh, just curious. Archives of wisdom. Yes, you got it right. That's, uh, <laughs> I knew I knew we were thinking on the same uh, same page here. There is a a place on the uh, on, on IronButt.com. It's under I believe it's under the Tech House uh, tab. Yeah, and it's called. Uh, the Archive of Wisdom. Now, the Archive of Wisdom is exactly what it sounds like, but right now it's it's got 28, 28 tips and techniques from IBR veterans. So I, all these Iron Butt Rally cont- uh, competitors that have years and years, some of them decades of experience, right. that go into this, and they they tell you some really valuable information. Like, um, and and it's short. You know, you can you can look at these. Um, and they're not they're not extremely lengthy descriptions of, of you know what to do and what not to do, but um, you know, they'll tell you, like, forget about high speeds. Right. Oh, uh, uh, can we read a bit from that? Yeah, sure. Okay. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and I start on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MovieFone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, forget what you've been told. High speeds and long-distance riding have little in common. A steady rider can book more miles, enjoy more mountain vistas, and ride more twisty miles than a canyon carver bent on making the best times across a mountain pass. Besides the obvious effects on fuel mileage, which means more time wasted looking for gas, and the fatigue caused by fighting the effects of pushing a motorcycle through the wind, riding much beyond the flow of traffic will land you a hefty speeding ticket. While you are on the side of the road having a spirited discussion with a police officer about your... Ten-tenths riding style, the turtle-like rider on that Honda 250 will wave as he sets himself up for the next set of corners. Yeah, see, and that's about one of the, that's probably one of the longer entries in this whole thing. So you can yeah. go through this entire list and gain these, just these little nuggets of wisdom from mm-hmm. people that have done this. Like, here's one that says, use an electric vest. And it says, even on the warmest summer nights, after a few days of 100 plus temperatures, a 75 degree evening ride can send a chill through your bones. So, in a, especially when you, you're, you know, it's a cool, wet evening. That yeah. makes it even worse. And I know a lot of riders already know this stuff, but then you got to remember, what's that going to be like when I'm trying to ride another 12 hours in that in that damp rain gear? That uh, you know, right. that's going to be impossible. Uh, um, it's I love the, the the way they've just kind of boiled this down to the essentials here. Um, uh, eliminate all distractions and irritants. Um, Avoid know, boredom. Yeah, carry a, a, a flat repair kit and know how to use it. Um, upgrade Would, your toolkit. That's a that's an excellent one. Actually, the the toolkit thing. Um, I think that may be a little longer only because it, it lists specifically what this veteran to this event carries in his tool bag. And some of the things in here is, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It sounds like an awful lot. And then he tells you the size of the bag that it fits in. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. It's, it's, it's very small, very compact, but what he's got there is probably 
it seems like the, the contents of my garage at home. It seems like a lot. I mean, it, and it's really, really smart things, too. Right. Like, you know, bring a Swiss Army knife. Voltometer. Um, a digital tire gauge and spare keys for everything because you never know when you're going to lose a key. Right. Um, spare fuses for everything. A magnet, just yeah. in general. Six feet of siphon hose. Mm-hmm. Um, just really clever things. You know, a certain length of rope. Um, magnifying glasses. Zip you ties. Said, you know, a, um, yeah, it's just so many. A digital multimeter. There's a lot here. Um, and really, you know, going from the, you know, the wisdom of the elders, I guess, is what you're right. doing at this point. It, it's, it's fascinating to just kind of pick your way through this list. Um, know how to avoid boredom is a good one. Yeah. So they, you know, they have stuff like, uh, having a tape player with your favorite music or, you know, a sound system. And then one of the other things I didn't think about was this idea of keeping a supply of some tart food or tart candy to give you that little zing. And they also say, this is interesting, but one of the first things in this archive of wisdom is to avoid uh, drugs, including coffee. Yeah, caffeine is uh, is kind of a no-no on this because you're artificially keeping yourself awake. Right. And they don't like that. They say, I mean, there's a lot in here about knowing your limits, about understanding sure. what you're capable of. And, and that's how they have a, they have a, a great safety record as well. Mm-hmm. You'd think that all these motorcycle riders would be like zombies at the end. <laughs> and, you know, while they're exhausted, I mean, just flat out exhausted, uh, they, I believe they've never had like a serious injury where, you know, the rider in the event or, um, you know, so, you know, somebody outside the event that, you know, was in the, the wrong spot at the wrong time. Uh, I've never, I don't think they've had any deaths in this, in this event ever. Surprisingly yeah, I couldn't find so. a record of any. Surprisingly so. And you've got, you know, a hundred plus motorcyclers out on the roads, uh, traveling a thousand miles a day for 11 days. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty intense. And little tricks like that. I mean, they say if, if your eyes close, if you, if you think about closing your eyes for just one second, that means you're tired. Get off the road now, right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of little tips and, and things like that along the way. And, I, I tell you, Ben, the the most fascinating part of this whole topic to me is once I learned about it, when I just kind of sat back in my chair and was thinking about really, really doing this. Now, not that I'm going to do this by sure. any means. I, it, I, it's beyond me. I'm Maybe just, one day. <laughs> well, I'm not even a motorcycle rider right now, so <laughs> it'd be a big step. But um, when you really consider what this entails, what this what this uh, this challenge entails, this has got to be one of the most difficult things ever to accomplish. I mean, it really does. It's got to be, uh, it's just an ultimate test of your endurance, your patience, your your skill, your writing skills. Yeah, your tenacity. Uh, yeah, your planning, um, the, the machine itself. You know, the, the willpower. Getting the bike ready. Yeah, the willpower. It, it's All this comes into play. It's, it's, a, it's When you start thinking about 20 hours a day on a motorcycle with, you know, you've got the helmet on, you've got, you know how that is. It's kind of like your... Uh, you got nothing but your own thoughts going through your head mm-hmm. all day long. It's got to seem like you're just in the most solitary position ever. But then again, you're part of this bigger rally where every evening you get together with the people that that ride, and uh, and, and there's that camaraderie as well. But the the solitary nature of this whole thing, it, it's just uh, it's it's mind boggling to me. Like, how can they do it? How do they possibly do this? I would I would love it. I think you know it'd be fun, but I think that after about the third or fourth day. I would just be too tired to go on. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, even if you were in a car, a nice big cushy car. Right. And you're driving a thousand miles in, you know, 24 hours or whatever. And you have to do that day after day after day. Uh, that's, that's really, really hard to do. I'd like to hear from some of the people who have taken the opportunity to go on this rally or similar rally on a bike. Uh, and, and 
for our non-U.S. listeners, our non-Canadian listeners, uh, if you are saying to yourself, man, I love this idea, but here I am in Europe or wherever, and I can't, I can't get over to the States for race, you know, like my wife or husband would never let me do that uh, because that's a weird thing to do. Well, we have good news. The Iron Butt Association does have an arm in the UK. Uh, it runs its own rally each year called the Brit Butt Rally. Hmm, okay. Now, you know, one thing that they said early on in the uh, in um, the information here was that the U.S. provides them with a, a unique opportunity. Outside of Australia, there's not really a place that doesn't have international borders like the U.S. It is a big mass of land right. that you're allowed to travel with all these different terrains and different climates. Yeah, and, um, it's a, and uh, you don't have to deal with the same border crossings. Yeah, that's it. The, the border crossings, the international border crossings become a bit challenging for a rally because you can be hung up at those borders for a long, long time. If sure. you don't have the right paperwork or you, you have to meet mm. certain standards, you know, with the... For safety or whatever, uh, so they say that you know outside the U.S., Australia is about the only other place like that. So I wonder how they operate this U.K. branch, how different the rally yeah. is and feel from you know the the one that's run here in the U.S. Yeah, that's a good question, and I'd like to hear more about that. I you know, just on a side note, when you mentioned Australia, I watched Mad Max Fury Road again. You know, I have a copy now. Yeah, I think I've been watching it too often, man. Why is that? Well, it's affecting my driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not kidding. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm oh, not. Uh, I'm not driving like uh, a jerk or a loon or something. But my uh, my tolerance, which was once upon a time pretty high, even when we were downtown in Buckhead, uh, now my tolerance has like dwindled. It's seriously dropped, huh? I am. I am judge and jury. I really? hope I don't become executioner. Yeah, but like yeah, a, I'm serious. A renegade out there. I well okay so I figured out some some different paths to take and if you time them correctly uh, through the city on these back roads uh, and if you time them correctly and uh, the wind is at your back then uh, you can you can navigate around the city really well but it got to the point where I realized that I have to either stop using my horn or change the sound of it. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. You know what? Oh, no. I don't even know if I've ever... Well, I, you know what? I did honk my horn. Remember I mentioned that one day I honked it yeah. near you? Yeah. And I couldn't get it to make a little beep-beep sound. It was like more like a I'm angry sound. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, unfortunate. But I don't I don't hardly ever use my horn. Yeah, even if something's going wrong around me, I, it's not my instinct to go for the horn button. See, there's this whole communicate... This is, I know, admittedly a different podcast, but there's this whole communication system that could be possible with a horn that manufacturers aren't really doing. You know, like there should be levels of honking because right now what most people have is just a horn that allows maybe let's say three levels all based on the length of the honk, right? So tap or tap tap, that's a, that's a friendly Watch out. Well, that's what I was trying to do that's when I passed saying. you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Impossible. one, the one short burst is the, the, uh, uh, the stronger version. Yeah. The, maybe the, uh, maybe the watch the beep out. Yeah. Hey, know? I'm, hey, I'm over here. Right. And then the long blast is the, uh, I will find you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think of it. A little dark at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I will, I will yeah, find you. Yeah. Not like you, I thought you were going to say like, you've really screwed up, but it's, uh, oh, no. I will find you. That's to me. It's if I if I ever do that, then I'm memorizing the license plate at the same time. <laughs> some, ah, some, you need some therapy. You know, maybe I just need to 
lighten up on the Mad Max <laughs> maybe <laughs> watch Cannonball Run or I wonder, something. You know, I wonder, I mean, I just keep, I, I keep going back to this, but like when you, when you take five minutes to really think about what it would be like to do this, to do yeah. this rally, to yeah. participate in this, um, man, I, there's so many angles to it. Like, how do you, how do you feel at the end of that? Do you feel like you own the road and everybody else should just get out of the way? Cause you've got, I mean, in 11 days, you've, you've covered a lot of terrain. Right. And you've seen just about everything in that point, at that point. You must feel like uh, it belongs to you, you know? Mm-hmm. That, it's got to be kind of a weird feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's strange, and it's also one of those things that you should be very proud of accomplishing, you know? Yeah, it's a good point, Ben. I mean, it's like there's this this group of people that already have kind of a uh, a rare set of circumstances around right, what they right. do. And then to finish or, or to participate in and even finish an Iron Butt Rally out of out of that group of people... That's that's an even smaller group and uh, more exclusive, I guess, in a way. Right. Yeah. And, so fascinating. And it's a global group. People around the world are uh, are itching to go out on the rally. If you are one of the few who has successfully completed this, then we would love to hear from you. Uh, so you can check us out on our Facebook and Twitter. I'm just putting that in earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah. We're Car Stuff HSW. On um, oh, and just this is a side note. And I'm all about side notes. I've got one for you, though. Sure. Okay. Remember earlier, my friend, when we talked uh, in our our two part series on cars that didn't make it. Yes. We talked about the Dodge Diora. Yes. So I went on Twitter and I said, "Hey, help me settle this bet with Scott. What do you think of the Dodge Diora? But ugly, super cool." A lot of the responses were both. Oh, no, no, both. both. Yeah. You can't answer both to that. <laughs> Come on, that, uh, is, that is a chicken answer. <laughs> it's a chicken answer. Yeah, I'm well, leaving out one word. <laughs> wow, that is something. Well, so how can you say both? Somebody said. Um, somebody said I call it. Uh, Coop said I call it a little quirky and kind of kitschy. Cool. I dig it, Daddy O. Uh, Pete <laughs> F said it is awesome. Uh, Sakon D said, it looks like a boat that failed its boating test. Uh, I'm going over, I'm going past the people who said both. That's some good ones. Some good responses. Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, I still like it. I, I looked at it, uh, probably not, not yesterday, <laughs> but the day before, uh, you know, trying to find some photographs of it. And, um, I still like it. And one more Twitter. Followers to it. One more Twitter thing though, Scott. Our listener, Stuart L. After, after hearing the podcast and cars that never made it, he replied with, I think we can all agree that this is the car that should have definitely been made. Uh, and I think you'll recognize this one. Oh, I like it. That's the, uh, that's the Homer. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the Homer. The, the car designed by Homer Simpson. Listeners, uh, surely I'm just going to assume that everybody knows about the Homer. I think they have to at it's, this point. It's used everywhere in, in memes and all kinds of stuff. So. It's such a great idea. Yeah, it really know. is. A perfect idea and flawless execution. <laughs> yeah, for what could go wrong? <laughs> well, anyhow, I just wanted to do a quick little, uh, quick Twitter update there. Uh, if you guys have an opinion on the Dodge Diora, please let us know. You can uh, write to us directly. You can. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter, where we are CarStuffHSW. Um, well, yeah, and you know what? We should uh, thank Jason one more time for sending that should. book. And, yeah, uh, that and, was so awesome. Kind of, uh, you know, hipping us to this idea of these uh, these endurance motorcycle events, because I, I didn't know that this whole world was out there. And yeah. it's fascinating when you dig into the, the people that are involved, the machines that are involved, mm-hmm. the, the preparation that's required for them. It's, it's amazing. So 
thank you, Jason, for sending the book and, and uh, again, just giving us the idea to do this show. It's, uh, it, was, it was fun. Yeah, we're uh, we're pulling for you, man. We hope that you do get to the rally. Yeah, do it day. someday. Do it someday. All right. And with that, would you like to take a page from Jason M's book? Uh, not the book he sent us. Just it's like a it's a figure of speech. Oh, Ben. Uh, whatever. OK, I'll keep going. If you want to write to us is what I'm trying to say. Then uh, we'd love to hear from you. It can be an idea for an upcoming show. It can be a response to a previous topic. Uh, but whatever it is, you can write to us directly. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.